is Bloomberg Surveillance. We do believe that there's an earnings recession that the banks face this year and next year. So earnings are going to be under pressure for the next two years. Does oil catch up with copper? Does copper catch up with oil? We would say that copper is going to catch up with oil to the downside. 15% movement of the yuan versus the yen in the last nine months or so, I think is one of those factors that's pushing the Japanese economy back into recession. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen on economics, finance, and investment on a negative statistic for U.S. GDP. I'll get to that here in a moment. Let me do a Forex brief right now before we do this uh, economics from Peter Bookvar of the Lindsay uh, Group. Uh, this morning, uh, the Forex brief brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award. For the best retail Forex trading platform, visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. Range-bound dollar up today. Not big, but up. Euro weaker, 113.11. Euro crushed over the last uh, day. I'm going to call it the yen. Goes 107, 108, 109.15 right now. Everything else a big churn. We'll leave it at that. Michael McKee, let me read you the line from Bookvar of the Lindsay Group. I expect another cut to Q1 GDP. It is very likely that when the Atlanta Fed GDP now uh, adjusts their number today, we will see a negative quarterly estimate. That, of course, off retail sales, one of many opinions out there, Mike, which really gets you to the fragile first quarter indicative of the control group uh, this morning. Or does it? I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, the New York Fed uh, has its own GDP tracker now, and it says it's 1.1%. The Atlanta Fed's uh, current forecast is just a tenth of a percent. We will mm. see an update to the Atlanta Fed later today, but not till after 10 o'clock because we get, bus- we get Great. business inventories at 10. And if retail inventories are strong enough, That'll change. We may not see yeah. a, a a cut into negative uh, numbers. Bookvar emphasizes tomorrow's CPI is much more important. He looks for a two point three percent core rate uh, there right now. Oh, Dave Wilson uh, wants to dive in here. Bookvar actually put out correction on that note. Okay. He says the January control group sales figure was revised up by two tenths. So taken with the one-tenth upward revision to February, offsets the three-tenths miss in March. GDP estimates for the first quarter will likely remain so unchanged. So it goes from a negative day. to an unchanged. Right. You are a font of corrective wisdom. Well, you know, I'm just trying to keep up with the flow of information. You, you, and there certainly is plenty of it today when you look at the financial companies. Give us some equities before we get to Brad Hintz. Absolutely. J.P. Morgan Chase's shares up about 2.5%. First quarter earnings and revenue at the biggest U.S. lender fell less than analysts expected based on average estimates in a Bloomberg survey. They all went up. They all did. Uh, their peers are going to be coming out later this week. Uh, Bank of America up 2%. Wells Fargo up 1.5%. Those companies set to report tomorrow. Citigroup's up 2%. Their uh, first quarter numbers due Friday, and, and J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, all higher, even though uh, regulators rejected their living wills, their uh, plans to uh, resolve a potential you, bankruptcy. You need a living will to drive a Harley Davidson, right? You, you might well be right there. I should just point out Bank of America, or I should say Bank of New York, let's be honest here, and State Street also had their plans rejected. Mm-hmm. Bank of New York up 1.5%. State Street uh, haven't seen any trading yet. But since you mentioned uh, Harley-Davidson, we should point out those shares, 4.5% higher. 
The motorcycle maker's March sales climbed by an estimated 10% according to UBS. The firm said Harley benefited from relatively warm weather in the northeastern U.S. Uh, CSX is up 1%. The railroad's first quarter profit matched the average estimate. CSX cut costs to counter declines in oil and coal shipments. And speaking of oil, we should point out energy producers mostly lower as crude falls from the highest price since November in New York trading. ConocoPhillips down 1%. Uh, Kinder Morgan Marathon Oil, both low, 1.5% lower. I'll give you one more. One more. In ticker on this one, XON. Uh, it's up mm-hmm. 4%. Brazilian regulators allowed the drug makers' Oxitec unit to combat the spread of the Zika virus and other ailments by using genetically engineered mosquitoes. No. Oh. This reminds me of the movie The Fly. Yeah, I don't think we want to know about that. We don't that. want to know. I'll tell I you what, if they're selling hogs, <clears throat> then things are okay. I saw a map yesterday about, like, how north Zika gets. Uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's northerner than I thought. And you would think as the weather warms up. Oh, you're a font of good joy. I'm just saying. David Wilson, thank you so much. We're thrilled to bring you right now, after a really great discussion over the last 48 hours on banks, Brad Hintz with New York University for years with Sanford uh, Bernstein. Brad, I tried to frame this morning the scale of these banks. I took the oil gloom. They're writing down oil investments. I get that. And I divided it by the assets of a bank. It's, it's shocking how big these things are and how small those write-downs are relative to their mass and scale. Is that correct? Well, uh, yeah. Remember, what we have with the banks is, uh, since the crisis, the regulators really have been all over them in terms of being conservative. So, you know, the fact that their their write-downs are small is tells you a little bit about, you know, how one of the reasons why their ROEs are low, right? If If you're not taking any risk, you're not taking you're you're not going to take a lot of losses so you know yeah we have a headwind right now the headwind is on the energy side i don't anticipate that what we're going to see is the same thing that we saw say in texas when we went through a the 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 texas uh, oil bust of say the 80s right but nonetheless it's a headwind in terms of the banks and you're seeing the banks take take action on it it's going to be a headwind that's going to continue and 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 you know that's that that kind of goes with the territory. I, you know, I think what's interesting here is we've got the market getting enthusiastic about a bank that generated a nine percent ROE. Um, you know, they're they're not above their cost of capital, and you've got to say Jamie does a brilliant job. But you know, if the only thing that we can talk about a bank is that they're going to return more capital to shareholders, that's that tells us we got an industry that's kind of in trouble. Um, in trouble or just changing in the sense that um, you know the, the the fundamental expectations for what you can make uh, as an investor are going to be different from here on out now that, that that's a good point which is you can make an argument that you know banks that have fortress balance sheets and let's recognize the regulatory capital on the these banks they really look like they have fortress balance sheets that's great if you're a creditor i'm not certain whether it's great as a if as an equity holder right you're uh, right now the equity holders are still looking for a, for returns on capital above 10 percent over time you're absolutely right what will happen is the is the the perception of risk in the equity market will bring it down and the and the betas will will drop and the cost of capital will drop and you know arguably they can beat their cost of capital not so much by 
generating higher ROEs, but by this expectation mm-hmm. dropping over time. We're not there yet, though. And you can see that in terms of the price book of the banks. Isn't, uh, isn't what you just said the, the way the Fed and other regulators are thinking about it in terms of, uh, you know, it's great if, if you're a debt holder, not so great if you're an equity holder, partly because of the tax code, partly for their own reasons, banks loaded up on debt as opposed to equity. Very true. Yeah, that's, that, that is true. The, uh, uh, the, and, you know, is there an agenda on the part of the regulators to keep the ROEs down? Yeah, I, I would say that, that that's probably it. I mean, if you're, if you can't break up the banks, one way to, to, mm-hmm. to, to reduce systemic risk is to constrain their ROEs. And clearly, you know, the, the, the regulatory rules over the, over the last five years, have made it very difficult for for any bank to to optimize their balance sheet, right? If you're constantly right. changing regulatory rules, you know you can never get to that 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 optimality. That the banks right. remember, if you listen to the banks' conference calls over time, they're always talking about you know we're you know we're trying to uh, to 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 rationalize our capital. Yeah, they're not there. Brad, <laughs> so, Brad you know, 30, thirty seconds, and then I want to come back uh, with you. Can these people really downsize? I mean, I know they're going to lay off this, that, and the other thing, but if they're hiring so many compliance people to adjust their living will, can they really lower the employment ad count? Um, certainly the compensation on for the, for the average person in banking has dropped, and, you know, we've all seen that. Um, when I talk to my class at NYU, um, I, one of the things I, I say is, you know, how many of you guys want to meet a, want a million bucks a year? They all raise their hands. They're I said, shocked. well, there's the, there, there, there's the good part. You can still make a million bucks a year in investment banking. You can't make five anymore. And yeah. we're in a transition period. So you're absolutely right. It's a transition period. Can the banks cut expenses? Yes, they can. And we, you know, we, and are we in a transition, transition period? Absolutely. Okay. Let's come back. Brad Hens with us at New York University. Mike McKee, to your point on retail sales. Stephen Stanley, uh, is more optimistic than Peter Bookvar of Lindsay Group. Stephen Stanley at Amherst Pierpont is adamant about constructive revisions. Down the road, he sees real consumer spending to, quote, get back to 25 to 3% over the balance of 2016. So that's our mix of opinions that's yeah. out there. Well, um, we got business inventories at 10 o'clock. <coughs> then we'll see what the yeah. Atlanta Fed has to say. Well, this is what I like on surveillance, a lot of different opinions. We'll continue with Brad Hintz of New York University on the too-big-to-fail banks. Check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world of national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Tens of thousands of Verizon workers on the East Coast have gone on strike. About 39,000 workers walked off the job early this morning. Installers, customer service employees, repairmen, and other service workers are fighting against a pension freeze and the company's ability to make layoffs easier. Verizon says it has trained thousands of non-union employees to fill in during the strike. A new poll says about 58% of Republican voters think the presidential candidate who heads into the party's convention with the most delegates should end up as the nominee. That's according to an Associated Press GFK poll. Meanwhile, Republican presidential frontrunner Donald Trump 
is suggesting that the Republican National Committee is working to defeat him. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists, more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael Barr, thanks so much. The yen, 109.11, a much weaker yen over the last 18 hours. Stronger dollar, not too strong, but nevertheless a reversal of what we've seen in FX. With Brad Hintz, Bloomberg Surveillance, Coast to Coast. Market Driver is brought to you by Flushing Bank. Open a complete business checking account with $15,000 or more and get a free 16-gig Wi-Fi tablet. Visit FlushingBank.com for details. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning, indicating equities will gain a second day after better-than-forecast Chinese trade data stoked optimism in the world's second-biggest economy. And futures again higher, S&P E-mini futures up 10 points, Dow E-mini futures up 90, and NASDAQ E-mini futures up about 34. The DAX in Germany is up 2%. Ten-year Treasury down 2.30 seconds. The yield 1.78%. Yield on the two-year 0.74%. NYMEX crude oil down 1.1% or 48 cents to 41.68 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 9 tenths percent or $11.30 to 12.49.80 an ounce. The euro $1.1313. The yen 109.09. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Michael, we got to get used to the phrase goose egg. Goose egg. <laughs> goose egg Wyoming, no. It's a goose egg. It's like a phrase. Neil Dutta, he looks for a Q1 goose egg. Red Sox? No, they, well, yeah, that's assumed. Zero percent. His tracking number is 0.2%. Yeah, everybody's all over the lot here. Um, I've seen people say that the you know because of the numbers, uh, the revisions to retail sales, that re- retail sales be a little bit better for the quarter. We shall see. We shall see. As Mark Zandi said, um, you know, better mm. to look at the jobs numbers than the GDP numbers. Um, better to look at Brad Hintz and talk to him about yes. the banks than for us to try to figure it out on our own. He is a longtime financial analyst at uh, Sanford Bernstein and uh, f- before that was uh, a CFO for uh, banks. Uh, he's now at NYU. Uh, Brad, the headline of the morning uh, after J.P. Morgan's earnings were that J.P. Morgan and four of its other banks failed the Federal Reserve and FDIC's uh, orderly resolution or living will requirements that uh, they cannot be, according to these regulators, safely wound down. How big a deal is this? The uh the resolution rules uh, are, um, are are affecting the bank's ability to operate around the world uh, because if you if you write a will, living will, the logical thing that a regulator is going to look at is say you know let's let's shrink the number of your legal entities right so that we can we 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 can shut each one down and with 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 the federal regulators doing that you also have regulators all around the world saying okay we need our 
entity, the, whatever, the J.P. Morgan, the city, the Bank of America entity, and whatever legal country that is, they have to be properly capitalized to stand alone. And so essentially what's happening is is that the living will, which sounds very harmless, um, is affecting resolution rules uh, around the world, and each one of the subsidiaries of the banks have to fund themselves on a standalone basis, capitalize themselves on a standalone basis, and worry about their intra-bank relationships. I know this sounds really technical. I mean, what it fundamentally means is you can't transfer a trading book or a funding book around the world as seamlessly as you used to. And that's the reason why the banks are are sort of they're being very careful about what they promise on this because the, the very idea of a universal bank is that you can move everything around the world easily. Well, if you can't anymore, then one of the economics of a universal bank goes away. And that's sort of the issues you're, you're, you're running into. Very technical stuff, but again, it, it, it's a direct attack on the business model of the banks. You understand why the regulators are doing it. You understand why it's happening around the world. But nonetheless, it affects the, the, the potential bottom, bottom line of the banks. Can I ask a dumb question, Mike? Yeah. Why is a living will different than a stress test? I mean, I understand one is like static and the other is wonderfully dynamic, but isn't it all the same thing, trying to game what happens under shock? Sort of. Um, when, you know, when you and I have talked about stress tests before, I've always, the analogy I've always used is the, uh, uh, the invisible fence that, that suburbanites have for their dogs. You know, when, when, when you put an invisible fence in, you let the dog in the backyard, you know, he goes running to the, to, uh, out and he hits the invisible fence and gets shocked, right? Really? And, uh, and so for a while he kind of sits in the middle of the yard whimpering because he doesn't know where to go. Um, the problem with the stress tests is that they move all the time, right? So it's an invisible fence that's moving and so that, yeah, like that. so the banks really can't, can't optimize. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why their ROEs are low. So it's an important thing. The invisible, the the, the stress tests are used to 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 test the banks to worry about bubbles too, right? I mean, if you if you have Miami real estate going up, you know, perhaps you ought to stress Miami real estate when you do the the, the annual test. And so the the, the regulators are using the um, the stress test sort of like a Swiss Army knife. They can use it for many many certain things. The um, living wills. What you're saying is change the way you operate because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but if something really bad happens, we have to be able to shut down your various entities. And we want to want to know how to do it, and the way to do it is to simplify things and capitalize things and make everything stand alone. Great idea, but every time you, you – there's always a secondary effect of every right. regulatory change. Uh, Brad, here's very quickly, 30 seconds, and we've got to go. What, what should we look for from Bank of America? They've had government issue, governance issues. Um, it's a different bank than J.P. Morgan. Frame Bank of America for us quickly. Sure. We're going to have, uh, you know, the the, uh, the lending side will be fine, right, because what we've seen, C&I loans doing well. Um, the, for for all the, the the retail sides, the banks look good. So Wells Fargo, you know the the the, the performance that we saw seen at JPM probably flows through to say that the consumer side looks relatively well. The commercial banking side, with the exception of the reserve increase, you know C and I loans are going to do well. Of course, mm-hmm. in the case of Bank of America, 
you know, we're going to have fixed income doing doing much uh, weaker, uh, and and that's going right. to pull down performance. So, you know, the the issue here uh, in terms of this quarter will be how much energy exposure do you have, and we'll see that roll through from each right. one of the banks. And then the other one is going to be how big are you in trading, yeah. right? And so someone who who is big in trading is going to be hurt okay. worse than someone who, who who isn't. Brad, thank you so much with New York University. Michael McKee, always interesting. The sainted one at home has the fence around the kitchen. If I bump up against <laughs> it, I get shocked. Bloomberg Surveillance. We're counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.